0: Today on Awaken to Grace, we are in Isaiah chapter 58 and we're talking about fasting. Today we're going to talk about how to fast toward personal holiness, how to fast toward the needs of others, and ultimately how to fast toward the spiritual breakthrough that we need in our lives. But we can't get this order reversed. Most of us fast for our own wants or needs or desires, but God says the fast that pleases Him is the fast that puts others first and the fast that creates holiness in our lives. I hope you enjoy today's edition of Awakened to Grace. So today I want us to carefully go through Isaiah 58. We're calling today fasting a hunger for God, and I want us to explore how we can create a deeper craving for the Lord in our life. Begin with me in verse number one. God is going to instruct Isaiah, and as a matter of fact, before you read verse number one, actually actually go to the last verse of Isaiah 58, because I think it's worth noting. Isaiah is going to tell the reader... Throughout all generations, and he's going to tell us in our generation, these things are spoken from the mouth of God. Can we receive it as that today? My words mean nothing today. It is the mouth of God that I want to know from. It is the thoughts of God. It is the words of God that I want to know. And God is not going to hold back, and he's not going to shy back, and he's going to tell us crystal clear with incredible clarity, we're going to go through Isaiah 58 and he's going to show us exactly what God wants from his people as well as what he doesn't want. So how are you going to receive it today? Are you going to receive it as something from the mouth of God as we study these words? Isaiah chapter 58 verse 1, God is going to instruct his prophet Isaiah and he says... Cry out and do not hold back, spare not. Lift up your voice like a trumpet and declare to my people their transgression. And to the house of Jacob, their sins. Now, notice right off the bat, God isn't talking to crazy lost people. He's not talking to people who have no regard for God and people who don't care what God thinks and people who could care less what God thinks about their life or their lifestyle. No, who is God speaking to? His own people, us. And he's going to begin by saying, lift up your voice, cry aloud, don't hold back, lift it like a trumpet and tell my people their transgression. Are you willing to see your transgression today? Am I willing to evaluate my life? Am I willing to step back and say, God, you show me exactly what you want me to see? Are you willing to do that? Or are you here for the coffee today? Are you here for the good music? Are you here to meet someone? What's your purpose today in being here? Oh, I hope that we can be so transparent with the Lord that we say, God, show us our transgression and show us where we're failing and God, show us the right things to do and God, we will do it to watch what God says. It's fascinating to me. God is literally gonna give an indictment to his people. I mean, God is gonna lay out to his people exactly what he thinks. Watch what he says. For my people, listen, he says, they seek me daily. They delight to know my ways. They act as though they are a nation of righteousness, doing righteous deeds, yet they forsaken the law. They ask me for righteous counsel. And they delight in drawing near to me. I don't know about you, but I'm saying, what's the problem? (laughs) As a pastor, if someone come up to me and said, let me tell you, Chad, let me tell you a little bit about your church. I mean, your people are seeking God daily, and they're delighting to know God's ways, and they're asking God for his righteous counsel in their life, and they're delighting and drawing themselves near to God. I'm going to go, oh, praise God. That's what I want. So what's the problem? What has God upset with his people? Where where is the transgression? Where are the sins of his house? He's going to tell us. If you continue following with me, he's going to begin to lay out this is the type of fast that you have chosen. You do it to be seen by others. And yet, while you fast, in other words, while you exercise your religious life, while you go to church while you claim my name and you do all these religious, you may do morning devotions I mean, you, you right now you may be in a dilemma in life where you're asking God his counsel, that's what it means to, we ask of his righteous judgments and, and, and you may be doing all of these things but there's a phrase here that to me has been jumping out to me and that God has been convicting me deeply over and watch what God says, you do it all to your pleasure. And I'm preaching very personal today. Today, I'm talking to myself today and God is asking me, Chad, the things that you love, the things like spiritual growth and even things like fasting and things like seeking me daily and things like delighting to know my ways, are they ultimately for my glory or are they for your pleasure? God's been asking me a question, do do I really love God today or do I love loving God If you took our music out of here today and you put a totally different style up here, could I still love God and worship him? Or would I sit back and go, well, that don't sound good. If you took a different preacher up here today who preached in a totally different style than what I do, could we receive the biblical instruction today or would we go, well, you don't sound like Chad. God's challenging me. Do I really love God or do I love the atmosphere of loving God? That if it's not my favorite music or if it's not my favorite style of teaching or it's not, and let's boil it down to what we're talking about, consumerism. I don't like that. Am I preaching the truth right now? It's consumerism. And it's crept into the church. And I would bet that you and I have been swept down the current of consumerism without many of us really realizing it. And as we love God in 2020, as we go forward in this new year, as we go forward in this new decade, do we really love God or do we love loving God in the atmospheres that we like? God indicts his people. He says, you seek me daily. You delight in knowing my ways. You ask my righteous judgments. You delight in drawing yourself near to me and yet you're doing it all wrong, God says. Would God say the same in your life and my life? Would he say the same over this body? God says, "Your fasting. The kind of fasting that you do will not cause your voice to be heard on high. Do some of you feel that way today? that your voice is never heard by God? Could it be that we're doing this thing wrong? If you're gonna take notes today, I want you to write this down first. We're gonna see three purposes to fasting today. And this is gonna be number one, fasting toward personal holiness fasting toward personal holiness this is what God's dealing with me about not fasting to get what I want not fasting to get what I desire but to fast toward personal holiness turned around aren't I oh my goodness you didn't tell me I'm getting too excited That's the problem with having a round table. I can't tell where I'm at. (laughs) Fasting toward personal holiness. What What does that mean? Let me tell you what God's dealing with me about right now. I sense the Lord asking me to evaluate my life and say, Chad, are you willing to give up the things that do not grow holiness in your life? okay, Lord, what do you mean by that? This is what the Lord's telling me. Are there things in my life that move me closer to the Lord? And are there things in my life that move me away from the Lord? That's what the Lord wants me to walk away from. If there are things in my life that are moving me away from God, I want to cut that out. I want to eliminate that. I want to fast from that. I want to walk away from that. And listen, I, I'm looking in my life right now and saying, God, what, what does that look like? For some people, listen, listen, I, I don't, I don't want to be too uh, harsh in this way, so please hear my heart. But how many of you know, there are just some people that they are just negative as all get out. You ever been around people like that? They zap every bit of energy you have. They're always complaining. They're never happy. They're always filled with unbelief and they never have faith and, they, and they're just not a good influence. Listen, I'm not saying be mean to people like that and say, listen, Pastor Chad told me to cut you out of my life and I am eliminating you and I'm not saying that, okay? But let me tell you, I'm not gonna spend time with people like that. Not quality time. You understand what I'm saying? Some of you got people in your life, they're so worldly. Come on now, don't shy back right now. They are moving you away from God, not moving you toward him. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, the Bible says that we are not to be conformed to the image of this world. Do you know what the actual Greek word is for that, for being conformed? The word picture is actually of wax being molded. I mean, if you can just get that image in your head, wax, you know, it just, it's soft and you can shape and you can mold and you can conform it to whatever. And that's what the Bible is saying. Don't be a soft individual to where people can influence you negatively. People can influence you worldly. People can influence you to not, you know, to not have strong faith and not believe God and not follow God. Don't be a soft person in that way. Don't be con. Conform- to the image of this world. Whereas, you know what the Bible says in Proverbs? That when you get around godly people, it's like iron sharpening iron. Oh, what a difference in the two analogies. I don't want to be this soft person that, you know, I just, you know, I just blend to whoever I'm around. I conform to whoever. If someone's negative, I get negative. If someone's worldly, I get worldly. If someone is, you know, out of step with God, I'm out of step. No, 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 no. I want to be someone who's sharp I want to be around men. I want to be around women who sharpen me toward Christ-likeness. You understand what I'm saying? Do you have those people in your life? We're getting ready to open up a major avenue and it's called small groups. And we're getting ready to open up on-ramps called small groups where you can get involved in a group and you can begin to form Christ-like relationships. Relationships. There were about 10 men last year in 2019 that I walked through life with, that I poured myself into them. They poured themselves into me and we developed each other. We challenged each other. It was like iron sharpening iron. You have that in your life? Personal holiness. Are there people that they lead you away from God? They move you further away from God rather than toward God. He says religious exercises like seeking God and fasting and drawing. Listen, none of that matters if it is ultimately for yourself. Pleasure. God is challenging me, Chad. Will you seek your own pleasure in 2020 or are you going to seek personal holiness? Which will it be? And I want to challenge you the same today. Will you ask Christ to form Christ-likeness in you as never before? I don't want to pursue self. I want to pursue Christ. Number two, not only are we to fast toward personal holiness, not only are we to pursue personal holiness in our life, number two, we are to fast toward the needs of others. Now notice what he says beginning in verse six. And actually, I actually almost forgot this in the 9 a.m. service as well. Look at verse five. Fasting, is to produce humility. He says, is this not the fasting? To be humble? To bow your head like a reed? To spread sackcloth and ashes? In other words, is the fast that you choose, will it humble you? And that's why, again, I want to encourage you, don't skip a meal only to gorge on the next meal and what have you truly accomplished? Ask God, Lord, what would I give up that would bring humility into my life? And let me just add, quiet humility. You don't need to go to work and say, well, let me tell you what I'm doing for the Lord. You'll lose your reward. Quiet. And ask the Lord, how will you deepen the humility in my life by what you lead me to give up over these next 21, maybe 22 days. Number two, we're to fast toward the needs of others. Now, what does it mean to fast toward the needs of others? The Lord is gonna tell us. Watch what he says in verse number six. Is not this the fast I have chosen? This is the Lord speaking. Is not this the fast that I choose? To loose the bands of wickedness to undo the straps of the heavy burden, to let the oppressed go free, to break every yoke. Now, say amen if you're with me right now, because I want to talk to us as a church. I want to tell you the direction we're moving as a church. I want the fasting of my life to help produce. Freedom in other people's life. This is what God's telling us. God is saying, the fasting that I choose ought to produce freedom in the life of other people. And this is what it looks like. Every yoke breaks. Huh. Some of you have got family members that they are so bound up in sin. Some of you have got co-workers so bound up in sin. Some of you have past friends. You've got loved ones. You've got your own children, for crying out loud, who are bound up in these bonds of wickedness. Have you ever fasted for their freedom? Have you ever fasted for their spiritual breakthrough? I see so many parents of grown children that their children have walked away from God. And what has the parents done? Rather than fasting and calling on the name of the Lord, they've signed a peace treaty with the devil. And they just try to keep peace. No, my friend, you go to war for your children spiritually. Spiritually. Go to war for them. Beginning this Tuesday, every single Tuesday of the month of January is praying for prodigals. And if you have prodigals in your life, if your children, if your grandchildren, if your parents are prodigals, you need to be here every Tuesday night in January calling on the name of the Lord on behalf of the prodigals in your life. And do even more than that. Fast on their behalf. Loose the bands of wickedness. Who in your life is just strapped with wickedness? Who in your life is just bound up by the enemy? Fast on their behalf. Then look what he says. He's going to go even deeper. Not only does it produce freedom in people's lives, but look what it says next: Is it not to share your bread with the hungry? Isn't you see the homeless to invite them into the home? When you see the naked, is it not to cover them? I want to see our church fast toward the needs of other people. If you skip down, I think it's verse 9, 10, and 11, then he's gonna go on and instruct us. And he said, if you will put away the yoke out of your midst, I mean, if we'll get ourselves free and nothing is bonding us up and anger's out of our heart and greed is out of our heart and jealousy's out of our heart and guilt is out of our heart, lust is out of our heart, all this junk is out of our lives. If you'll remove the yoke out of your midst, if you'll take the pointing of the finger away, he said, if you'll stop speaking, seeking wickedness, then breakthrough will come to your life. And he said, if you will pour out yourselves and satisfy the needs of the afflicted, glory to God, is that, is that the direction our church will go? All of us probably are aware that homelessness is increasing exponentially in our city. Is that right or wrong? Many of you don't know our background with homeless. Many of you don't know for 10 consecutive years, we did Thanksgiving on Thanksgiving night every year for the homeless of our city. Many of you don't know that every Friday night we opened up our church and we put on a great movie on the big screens and we fed a meal to the homeless. Many of you don't know that We were so ingrained at Hope Haven. At one point, Hope Haven asked us to install showers so that we could be a branch of them and house men here at the church because we were so deeply ingrained. Many of you don't know that we go the second Thursday of every month to preach at Hope Haven and to try to serve their needs. But listen, the issue of homelessness is growing exponentially And let me be very clear, our church and no church has the final answer and solution to this homeless problem. I mean, don't get me wrong, we can say Jesus is the answer and that's true, but you know what I'm saying, logistically, economically, socially, no one organization has the entire answer. It's going to take everyone working together. It's going to take the beautiful ministries of our city, like friends and neighbors, like the Oasis, like KCMC, like Shades of Grace, like Hunger First, and all of these wonderful Geraldine Swagger. I mean, all these incredible ministries that the Lord has right here in our downtown area, no one has the one solution. So you say, well, Chad, then, then what are you saying? Listen very closely to what I'm saying. When it comes to the needs of the afflicted, when it comes to the homeless, when it comes to the poor and the needy, the people that God expects us to share our bread with, the people that God expects us to notice and not just drive by, the ones that God expects us to welcome into our church, When it comes to that, here is what I want you to understand. We are not responsible for what we cannot do. But we are responsible for what we can do. Can I say that again? We are not responsible for what we cannot do. We don't have the answer. We cannot fix the homeless crisis going on right now. Our one church, our one organization cannot fix it. We're not responsible for what we can't do, but we are responsible for what we can do. So I want to ask you, how can you serve Oasis? How can you serve Hope Haven? How can you serve Hunger First? How can you serve KCMC, how can we as a church come alongside of these ministries and say, This is all our front yard? And how can we serve you? And how can we love you? And how can we help you? The fasting that pleases God is not the fasting that says, God, here's my wants, here's my needs, here are my desires. The fasting that pleases God is the fasting that forms personal holiness and the fasting that sees and responds to the needs of those around us. Can we say amen to that? In my estimation, the Moody Church in Chicago is one of the greatest churches in America. The Moody Church has been a lighthouse to this nation for centuries. It was founded by D.L. Moody, I think in the late 1800s, mid 1800s. It wasn't originally called the Moody Church, but after D.L. Moody passed away, then they named it the Moody Church. Just useless information because I love that church. The Moody Church was actually destroyed in the great fire of Chicago when D.L. Moody was alive. And when they rebuilt the church, they rebuilt a massive structure. It's still there. I mean, you can Google it or visit it. I visited the church some years ago. And it's just a massive building. And and they built it all brick so that it would never be destroyed in a fire again. And the Moody Church was the first building in America that had a balcony without any columns or poles supporting it. And most people wouldn't sit in it or under it for the first few weeks. (laughs) They didn't trust it. But if you go there today, everything is original. Even the lighting, Tiffany lamps, everything is original. And it's just such rich history. And and I just, I love the Moody Church. I've loved all their pastors. And it's just, it's a special place. But let me tell you why I'm telling you about them. When you walk in to the doors, those magnificent, beautiful doors of the Moody Church, They have a concrete stone by the front door, the dedication stone of the building. And back whenever this was done in the 1800s, they actually have on a concrete stone engraved, ever welcomed to this house of God are the poor and the needy. Friends, I think that glorifies God even into our day. Will preaching Christ church be the same? Will we say ever welcomed to this house of God are the poor and the needy? You want your voice to be heard on high? Pour yourself out for the afflicted. Serve the homeless. Love the poor. Help the needy. And God will hear your voice from on high. Can we say amen to that? Lastly today, not only are we to fast for personal holiness, not only are we to fast for the needs of others, but there's a phrase in, not even a phrase, a word throughout the rest of this text that I love. And it's the word then. (laughs) Then. Then. Then your light will break through. (laughs) Then your gloom will be turned to the noonday. Then you will become a well-watered garden whose waters will not fail. In other words, then we'll have spiritual breakthrough in our lives. But do you see how we reverse the order? We fast for our needs, for our wants, for our desires, and God's saying, No, you're doing it all wrong. You fast for personal holiness. You fast for the needs, for the desires, for the wants of others, and then comes spiritual breakthrough in your life. You don't put yourself first, you put yourself last, and then the breakthrough comes. Do you see the difference? And so there's some of you today, and God's been speaking to me all week about particularly people who battle depression. And I realize that there are many of you in the building today. There's many, many, many watching online today. And you suffer from depression. You fight depression. You battle depression. And I know that going into this new year, you're saying, how can I overcome it? Let me tell you, the Bible tells us how. Pour yourself out for the needy. Pour yourself out. And then the Bible says, then your darkness will be turned to light. Then your healing will spring up quickly. Then you'll become a well-watered garden. Then your bones will become strong. Then your gloom will be turned to the noonday. Amen? Friends, these are not my words. These are the words from the mouth of God Almighty. Will you receive it? So my question How can you pour yourself out? You're not responsible for the things you can't do. But I am responsible. You are responsible. This church is responsible for what we can do. Last week, some of our deacons went to Hunger First to investigate and just see how can we serve them. This Thursday, we'll be preaching at Hope Haven. We're going to investigate and just see how can we serve you. I'll be with Oasis this coming Saturday. How can we serve them? How can we pour ourselves out for the needy and for the afflicted? And then your light is going to break through. Then your gloom will be turned to noonday. So what's the Lord going to call you to do? I know many things that God's telling me to do in these 21 days. There are things that God's telling me to cut out, things that God's telling me to give up. Let me just let me just share with you this, and I'll, I'll close. Uh, y- y- many of you know that I devour audio <clears throat> and you know I read so many teaching books and sermon books and commentaries. Sometimes I just want to read a story and be entertained, right? And so, I read this great book by this author, I won't say who it is, but, uh, you know, he's nationally known, and, and I mean, it was a bit of a, I mean, it was, it was suspenseful, and it was great, and I was entertained, and I was hanging on every chapter, and it was just great, and thrilling, and entertaining, and I thought, well, I'm going to get another book of his. And I began to listen to the sample, and it was a book on, on uh, like a serial killer, you know, like murder, and suspense, and all this and that, and this one was different. It had a bad spirit to it. It wasn't good. And I'm listening to it, and I can feel the Holy Spirit say, Chad, turn it off. This isn't good for you. This isn't healthy for your soul. Turn it off. And I did, and I didn't buy the book. <laughs> There's a verse in Proverbs that's always meant a lot to me because it's always made me think of my mother. The Bible says in Proverbs that you and I are not to be like the horse who has to have a bit and be bridled. In other words, we're not to, and God has to go whoa, and we're not to be like the mule who were so stubborn that God has to kick us to get us in gear. But do you know what the Lord says that He wants us to be like? Listen to what he says. I want you to be guided by my eye. Any of you have a parent who could just look at you in a certain way and you'd straighten up? Do you remember that? I remember being in church as a little kid and my mom just had a look. Right? You remember that, don't you? I want to be so sensitive to the Holy Spirit that he can just give me a look and I know this, this isn't good for me. I'm gonna eliminate that. I'm not gonna watch that. I'm not gonna to listen to that. I'm not gonna be around that. Christ is forming holiness in me, and I'm not gonna let other people strip it away. What's he gonna call you to during these 21 days? What is it that's just not healthy for you? What is it that is just not good for you? That the Holy Spirit's gonna, may not shout it at you. Maybe the Lord wants you to be so sensitive that the Holy Spirit can just say, take that out and you obey. Let's bow our heads today. I don't want to love loving God and miss the point of true holiness. I don't want to follow God and at the end of it all, he say, Chad, you did it for your own pleasure. I want to be as genuine, as authentic, as transparent, and as personal God Almighty as I can possibly be and He wants that for you as well what's the Holy Spirit telling you today over these next couple of minutes I'm going to invite you to open your heart and to open your ears to the Spirit of God and say God what would you have me fast some of you have never fasted in your life Friends, now's the time. Some of you have fasted and you did it wrong because it came down to weight loss or it came down to being seen or it came down to you getting what you want out of God. Do it this time the right way. The Isaiah 58 way. Now I'm gonna invite you All of us in the building, I'm going to invite you to open your heart right now and say, Holy Spirit, show me what to eliminate. These next 21 days, I eliminate this so that my hunger for God may grow strong. pray. You take a moment and you pray. William, if you'll help me, please. You pray as the Holy Spirit's going to lead us today. phrase, your gloom will turn to the noonday. Your light will break. Your healing will spring up speedily. You'll be a well watered garden whose waters will not fail. And as I'm praying about that, I sense that the Holy Spirit said to me, Chad, I want you to pray over people Sunday. People who are suffering from depression. People that are battling anxieties. People that's just a ball of nerves or a ball of frustration and they don't know how to break it off of their lives. I want you to pray for those people. And let me tell you, it's, it's intimidating for me to pray over people now because I can't see you and I'm afraid I'm going to poke somebody in the eye or something weird and, and, and it's hard for me. It's easier to just say, well, just come to the altar. Just come to the altar and let other people pray for you. But today I sensed what's different. And maybe there's only one. Maybe there's only two. Or maybe there's five. Maybe there's 20. I don't know. But if you're someone that you're saying, if my gloom could turn to noonday, if my light could break out of this darkness, that's what I want going into the new year. With everyone's heads bowed, everyone's eyes closed, and you're all just in a spirit of prayer. If you want me to pray over you, I'm going to turn my microphone off. And I'm going to ask you to come forward. And we're going to touch and we're going to agree together that this anxiety is going to break. We're going to touch and we're going to agree together that as you pursue the Lord and as you pursue holiness... Bloom's going to.